Hello there. Welcome to another episode of the Oblivious Maximus podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Osborne. This week, my guest is Aiden Jones. Aiden is a comedian um, who does a podcast called Sitting Under a Tree, uh, which you can check out on all your podcast things. Um, Aiden and I talked about the first hip hop record that I've done on this podcast. Uh, the Calling by Hilltop Hoods. Um, it was a good chat. Definitely a record that I obviously am aware of, being an Australian thirty-something year old. Um, and it was really fun. It was good chatting about a record that's very different to the ones I've talked about ever, really, but recently as well. Um, and surprisingly, I feel like I like the Hilltop Hoods a lot more now that I've talked about this. Um, but yeah, it was a fun chat. Uh, we ripped through that and talked about, you know, doing stand-up. And obviously I talked about doing band shit and things like that too. Um, but yeah, check out Aiden's stuff on the internet. You can follow him on Instagram uh, at Aiden Jones Comedy. And you can check out his website, which is AidenJonesComedy.com. Um, I'll put the links in podcast notes. Otherwise, please enjoy this episode. It's episode 116 of the Oblivious Maximus podcast with Aiden Jones talking about Hilltop Hoods. Fucking brutal. All right, Aiden, thank you for doing the podcast with me. Thanks for having me, bro. Excited. Yeah, we're here. We're doing it. We're here. Weirdly, I can hear birds out of my um, bedroom window, but it's like six in the evening. So I, to be honest, I don't know what the fuck's going on or where I am. So for me, uh, recently, my girlfriend has a canary and the canary. Oh, thank God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought you were about to say recently my girlfriend left me. I was like, <laughs> oh my God, man, we are going right in. Yeah, that's how I start all podcasts. Deep, <laughs> deep from the get-go. Yeah, man. I was like, fucking all right, let's do it. Okay, so recently <laughs> she stayed with me but brought a canary home as she's owned yeah. a canary for a long time. And while it is only 6 o'clock right now, I had to put the canary to bed because the canary is so loud during the daytime when I'm on Zoom Real. calls for work. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. So... Well, all I know about canaries is that they go down coal mines. They die yes, they easy, do. right? They What's die. the deal with canaries? Are they really loud as well? Is that like a thing? Um, well, it's like, yeah, they're loud. But, well, this one is at least. Um, uh-huh. it, but it's like, you know, it's just like tweeting. It's like a bird singing. It's kind of nice in the background, but it's not nice yeah. in the background when you're trying to do like record audio is when it's not yeah nice. or have like work that you're getting paid for for your job yeah. and there's a bird going like don't worry there's no coal down here don't <laughs> worry still safe still all good yeah keeping me alert of no gas leaks in the kitchen yeah thankfully. yes all right well enough of bird chat that's how i start all these podcasts um <laughs> uh, and so the record we're here to talk about today which is interesting for me given that I'm quite surprised, actually, actually, given the amount of these that I've done now. But this is the first time someone's wanted to talk to me about a hip hop record. So, oh yes, which is a uh, like pretty big, pretty big deal. So, the uh, the record you picked, "The Calling" by Hilltop Woods. Uh huh. Why this yeah. record? 
Um, man, this is a huge record for me. And uh, weirdly, uh, like, I don't know where people stand on Hilltop Hoods, to be mm. honest. Like, it came out, this came out in 2003, and it was, the, it was the one that blew them up. Yeah. That everyone knows. This is the one with the nosebleed section on it. And for me, it it came out and I I came to it the year, like the summer between primary school and high school. Sure. So that's like that pivotal moment where like I've said goodbye to all the people I knew in primary school. I haven't met the people from high school yet, but I was in Scouts and I went on the Australian Jamboree and just met all these kids that I really only knew for like two weeks when I was 12 years old. Yeah. And they introduced me to this album mm. and then that was what I like – that defined like you know a lot of my music tastes for like the next fucking ten years. Yeah, right. Yeah, I like. I think. I think Hilltop Hoods definitely get like a. I think they get a really bum rap for. Well, at least at the time when I first heard them, it was like, I guess like Aussie hip hop was a bad thing for whatever reason. Yeah. Like. Yeah, yeah. And I don't think there was ever. I don't think I ever heard Aussie hip hop and thought like. This is bad because it's Australian, but yeah, sure. I think it's probably just because people are accl- so acclimated to hearing hip hop, or at the time at least, hearing hip hop be in an American accent. Like that was that was it. Yeah, well, I, it's so I've done the reason I want to talk about this album now mm. is because I just kind of revisited it recently on my podcast, where lately I've been just talking about something that I love to distract myself from how our lives are fucked yeah. and. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I went back to the Hilltops album and I did a bit of research on it. And that rapping in Australian accents was a deliberate choice that they made. Yeah. And they were kind of that generation of like people making hip hop in Australia. They were the first ones to do it. Mm. So there were guys from Sydney in the 90s called Def Wish Cast. Yeah. But I think they used to rap in American accents. Yeah, right. And uh, Hilltops were the first ones to be like, I'm not American, I'm Australian, I want to do it like this. Mm. And to write about more things that was like actually in their life rather than the tropes that just exist in hip hop generally, like you yeah. know, violence and whatever. Um, they were just like, let me look around in my actual life and just be a bit more honest to kind of where I come from. Yeah. Well, I mean, you can like, I mean, it's like they're from Adelaide, which is the first thing that's interesting, I guess, about this type of music. Like, <laughs> yeah, to, yeah. For music like this to come out of what is known as the city of churches, like, it's not like the, <laughs> the main You know streets. what it is, man? Is like, because I'm from Adelaide as well, which is why okay. it was so big for me. Yeah. But Adelaide is only called the city of churches because that's all. Yeah. That if you, you know, it's like if there's a blank piece of paper with a picture of a church on it, you're going to call it the churches because there's nothing else on the piece of paper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, um, I think, I think it's one of those things that in the grand scheme of like Australian music, they're like lots of, lots of big Australian music has ended up coming from Adelaide. Like it's not, it's the home of a couple different big things. I mean, most notably Cold Chisel is from Adelaide as yeah. well, you know. And, and ACDC. Yeah. So like having, you know, this coming out of there is not a weird thing, but I suppose in the, again, if you look at the time in which this comes out, where in, when this record comes out in 2003, like hip hop is, is really on the trajectory where hip hop starts taking over as pop music. Yeah. Like. Yeah. This was the album in Australia that did it. Like this is the album that did it. I think this was the crossover. Um, yeah. Before and even this was their third album, mm. and they'd been making stuff that sounded pretty like similar to this, 
and then this album marked it was like the kind of point where they shifted towards making the kind of music now which is a bit more i know it's almost like pop with like a hip-hop kind of foundation yeah yeah Yeah. but i think like like that's definitely what i noticed with this with the the group as well and i think like but it's sort of worldwide the trend in the early 2000s was that like hip hop just was pop music like it was the most yeah. popular thing which is like we're we're so deep into that now with i mean yeah, like yeah. you know like the Lil Nas X stuff like he, uh-huh. the the fact that like Old Town Road was the biggest song yeah. in primary <laughs> schools for like yeah right? a full year you know how like, bizarre they've completely crossed over into the mainstream right yeah, yeah it's insane but i think this this obviously comes out at a time that's pretty good for that then here in australia in that um it also comes out at the same time when triple j is starting to become like it's taking over culture in a more mainstream way as well where previously yeah, triple j yeah. was like the alt thing then yeah. now it's sort of like taste making essentially you know yeah totally yeah Yeah, and i remember there was a time i mean maybe this is just me romanticizing my teenage years but i remember there was a time when triple j like started playing just hip-hop and my parents all they could say was like oh there's so much hip-hop on triple j and i felt like this was my yeah you know thing coming in but they made that they like yeah shone a magnifying glass on that genre Mm. and blew it up man there's so many things i remember about this album that are just tied to me growing up in Adelaide though, like when JTV was on the air, it was yep. on um, ABC. And I remember there was one episode where I can't remember who they interviewed, but they interviewed some other rappers from Australia, other cities. Mm-hmm. And the two guys they interviewed, the question was what scene other than where you're from your hometown, what scene do you really respect? And they both said Adelaide. And I was like, as like a, a kid in Adelaide, I was like, Oh my God, man, like yeah. this is us. Like I'm fucking <laughs> in the mix. You yeah, know? Yeah. It's it was so exciting. That yeah. only later did I realize that everyone who was excited about doing stuff in Adelaide moved to Melbourne or Sydney. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way. I'm from Canberra. I know. Yeah. I know it all too well. That's yeah, fine. yeah. Um. So at the time when this is coming out, do you start? I mean, obviously, you know, you're you're getting into high school and things like that. Is this? Uh, do you start going and like seeing hip hop and stuff like this live? Well, this was the first live show that I ever went to was wow. um, 2004. So that I, I came to the album and it was like, yeah, January 2004 was when I was introduced to it. And mm-hmm. then Easter that year, me and my like my family, we used to get um, hire a holiday house in Victor Harbour, like an hour out of Adelaide. Yep. And we were there for Easter. And I guess my mum and dad saw that the Hilltop Hoods were just like playing in Victor Harbour that weekend. Yeah. Um, and they were doing an underage show at the Crown, which is like the big pub there. And they took me along and surprised me with it, but they couldn't go in with me because it was an underage show. Oh, and right. My brother, and, and my brother would have been like nine or something. So I had to go in by myself. <laughs> and I... I was so scared. I'd never been to a gig by myself, but like I loved it so much. I remember bawling my eyes out in the car because I was just like, I want to go so bad, but like I'm so scared. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, I started going to that. And then I saw, I mean, like in the years to come, I saw like, you know, Horror Show and Earth Boy and The Herd. And I saw like DJ Premier and all the fucking Wu-Tang guys when they came over. This was like the introduction to hip hop as a genre for me as well. Yeah, that's wild. So what what were you listening to before you heard this? Like what was in oh, your dude. music realm? 
The Living End, The Offspring, and The Red Hot Chili Peppers. Okay. Those were my three. Yeah. Um, three I, heavy hitters right there. Yeah. I had no concept of, like, Eminem was on the radio, but I was like, you know, yeah, all right. It didn't really connect with me. Yeah. Um, I was never, like, a huge Eminem guy. And I remember <laughs> all these stories are fresh in my head because I just did the pod about it. I remember... Um, in primary school, must have been in like year five or six, so like 10, walking along uh, in primary school with some kid next to me just asking me like, he goes, oi, man, are you a rapper or a rocker? And I was like, <laughs> um, ra- uh, rocker. And he was like, yeah, that's cool, man. If you said rapper, I would have had to bash you. <laughs> I, I mean, I distinctly remember as someone who's been playing in metal bands and been into that for my whole life, like... Uh-huh. I distinctly remember having, I think in maybe like grade year eight or nine, when I was sort of like in, fully ingrained with a group of people that all listened to metal and stuff in school. I remember yeah. having to like very distinctly pretend like I didn't like hip hop or I didn't like pop music and stuff because yeah. of the dynamic of our like friendship group. And then, uh-huh. then years later, all of those guys that sort of gave you grief, gave me grief about that stuff. Then all completely abandoned playing metal, all cut their hair off, all went to do public service jobs. And then I was like, (laughs) I was left loving metal with long hair. And I was like, oh, I guess now I can like hip hop now, I suppose. Yeah. (laughs) Oh man, that's so interesting. There's such a thing with music, isn't there? Where like you really need to enjoy it with someone for it to really like take root, you know? Yeah. And then the people that you first like enjoyed it with, that's you like share that thing together and you can meet up and and like Mm. share that artist with them. Yeah. Well, and I think the other thing too is like, I don't know if it's, you know, it's, it's different for everyone, obviously. I think for me, because music, playing music was like my you know, it was my life because it was my hobby, but then I also did it Uh at school and all this sort of stuff. So then it like absorbs your entire being for a little while. And then it only, I think it's one of those things that like the defining moment of like realizing I was an adult was like, oh, everyone's allowed to like whatever they want. And it's cool. Yeah, man, for sure. (laughs) Man, I kind of likened it to, you know, music is such a visceral thing that connects with kids like from such a young age. And when you're like 12, 13 and you're just trying to piece together, you know, your like identity, who am I starter kit? Yeah, yeah. Music is the first thing that you're like, okay, I, I know I care about this and I like this mm. and there's nothing else for me to latch onto. So this is 100% of who I am is this music. Do oh, yeah. I mean? and it takes up such a big... Because I played, I played music in school as well, man. I played mm. fucking piano. I was in all the jazz bands and stuff. Yeah. Um, with all the music nerds who loved like, you know, technical metal yeah, like fucking per- perfect circle, and uh, <laughs> it was a like liquid tension experiment or whatever. <laughs> that is a very <laughs> deep metal band. You've done well. Pulling yeah, that one. all that fun, you know, and like Opeth and shit. Yeah, yeah. Quick, quick drumming, weird time signatures. Yeah, yeah. You know, something for jazz heads to still be able to be like, I'm tough. Yeah, yeah. I know. <laughs> I could throw a trombone yeah. in here if I needed to. Yeah. <laughs> But on none of those guys were had any interest in hearing about the Hilltop Hoods, yeah. to be honest. Mm. And I remember when I came back from that, um, I like I, you know, I think it was in a music class in year eight, and I came back from that Easter, and every, you know, the teachers like, "What did everyone do over Easter?" And I was like, "Oh, I went and saw the Hilltop Hoods live 
in Victor Harbour. In my mind, thinking this is the coolest thing ever, I'm going to get like a standing ovation from the class. <laughs> and it was just like, all right, man, you know, like I don't even think anyone, everyone was just like, okay, cool, next. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, like I think the the other thing that's interesting with that for me is that like hip, I got into metal through hip hop, like which, and then, but I had such a big gap, I think, in what I would listen to. Like I, I hip hop kind of ended for me when I started listening to metal as much as I was. And then I came back uh-huh. around to it when I started like really playing same thing. Like I played like drums in the jazz band at school. Yeah. 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 And then like, I got back into hip hop a lot through playing drums. Cause I was like, it, you know, it, that it became very interesting for me again through drumming and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, Totally. And that was actually one of the, like one of the first notes I made on this record is that like how I never really realized because I mean, obviously I've heard songs off this record. I've seen Hilltop Woods live. Funnily yeah. enough, my old metal band actually played a festival that they headlined. So I've seen them like oh, from about this far away. From side of stage. Yeah. Oh, um, that's so cool. Yeah. But like I've, you know, I, so I, I'm obviously well aware of who they are and stuff, but I, I guess I didn't realize how much this album has like real like mid 90s hip hop influences on this record. Yes. Like, it has yes. so much sampling so much scratching like uh-huh and so much of that like um i guess like it probably again in my stupid thinking like oh the australian accents but the influence is far more like the stuff that i was really getting into at this time too like a lot uh-huh. of the you know the roots and things like that that sort of yeah. vibe happening tribe called quest yeah yeah exactly that uh, the scratch back in the days when I was a teenager off excursions. Yeah, yeah. That got that was that. I was like, "What is that?" I think, and I googled that and found excursions, and that was how I found a tribe called Quest. Yeah, yeah. You know, and that was my entry point into like Nas and Biggie and Big L and all of those guys. Mm. Well, yeah. I mean, it, it really has like that that feel to the record, which is again like I don't know why I didn't know this i suppose like i guess yeah. i just haven't revisited it obviously but yeah i guess if you i guess if you like listen to it at the time not knowing all of those artists you yeah. just like you know listen to the music and then you come back years later with you know 15 20 years of knowledge mm. and you're like oh fuck this is what they were doing that's so cool yeah yeah well and i think the other thing too like it's just wild for me that i feel like i missed out on listening to this at the time because i yeah like since you you know, since you brought it up, like I've definitely listened to it a couple of times and yeah, definitely appreciate it far more than I thought I would. And yeah, sure. And also what I remember them even being like, you know? Yeah. Because I think- it's weird, isn't it? That it's you like, it's all colored by what they are now. Like, yeah, I didn't realize this. They are, uh, the biggest Australian, like selling biggest Australian artist ever in yeah. Australia. They've got so many platinum records. Yeah. They've every album is number 1. Like it's yeah. crazy. Well that But they were but this was like before all of that and this is almost like a different artist. Yeah. And in there's an interview with um the three of them and I can't remember the <laughs> the interviewer by the way on this the interview has no fucking idea who they are. <laughs> He's like some German guy. Good. He clearly has not done anything but like read the first paragraph in their Wikipedia. <laughs> and um, so they're basically explaining to this guy who they are and being very gracious about it. But at one point, 
they're like, oh yeah, we've done, we did two albums before the calling. Like this is our fifth, sixth, or whatever. Mm. And uh, those two albums, it's um, left foot, right foot, and a matter of time. I love those, and I remember we're listening to those. And in this interview, they disavow them. They're like, oh man, if we could, we would take them off everywhere. We don't want anyone to hear them. They suck. They're really? shit. And I love those albums. Yeah. And for me, the change from the hard road after that is like where I kind of fall off. Yeah. You know? But I guess they kept growing to a point where they look back at that stuff and they're like embarrassed by it, which is so wild and sad to me. Yeah. Well, I think that, I mean, that probably also comes part and parcel with the fact that I had no, I had no recollection of how like old they are as well and how old the, yeah. the band, like the, you know, the band for lack of a better term is. Yeah. Like, yeah. The, you know, again, according to a cursory Wikipedia search, like they've been performing together since before i was born so yeah well like <laughs> like i mean obviously it gets it takes quite a while to get to this record from there but like yeah yeah if you then put that into context of where they are now like it's not really yeah. a surprise that to them the first two records probably are just like the fucking yeah totally demos from the garage or some shit you know yeah that's true and i think actually a part of it is the recording uh, I think they mentioned something about how they were recorded like just in their rooms or whatever. Yeah. But then the calling and everything after that was recorded professionally in studios. Yeah. Well, um, I, I, I think Matter of Time is only on CD. It's not even on vinyl or anything. It's just came out as a as a CD. Yeah. Well, like and this- it's not on Spotify. You can't get it. The first two aren't even on Spotify. Like, Yeah, weird. This like yeah. One of the notes they made on this was this is the first record where at least again from cursory research, they started mm-hmm. using like, they were still doing it themselves, but they started using like proper equipment and. Oh yeah. But it like, it sounds great. Like. Yeah, totally. I, you know, in listening to things, you know, like, like a lot of people who have spent the last 18 months literally looking at the ceiling of their own house <laughs> instead of spending the ceiling. All- <laughs> that's good. I've been looking at the floor, man. You're an optimist. <laughs> instead of, um, you know, spending all my money at the pub, I now just buy stuff that I could listen to music through better. And oh, sick. like, I, I was listening to it and I was like, fuck, I didn't realize how good this sounds for the, I guess how early in the grand scheme of their career it is. But oh, like you mean the actual sound quality and everything? Yeah, like, like the, the, the record really as a good. whole sounds great. Yeah, sick. Yeah, and like it's it also like milestone thing for it. It's the first Australian hip hop album to go platinum in Australia, which yeah. doesn't yeah yeah not too much of a surprise given as you said they're clearly the biggest Australian artist yeah. going around. Um, but like I, I think. Obviously, as you said at the top, like nosebleed section, massive, massive song for them ends yeah. up ends up becoming like, I don't know. I think it was surely it was high up there in Triple J's rotation yeah. the year it came out. I mean, it's that's one of those songs that's almost like a generation defining song yeah. for Australian people like of that. Uh, you know, everyone knows the fucking words to that song. Yeah. And it's like crazy. I think the other thing that I forget about that song too is like, much like other things about this record, I think I lumped that in with like, oh, that's just Hilltop Woods. It's that song. That's what yeah. they are to me. 
But then I listened to the song the whole way through and then and in the context of the record and it's like, oh, this is a good hip hop song that fits on a good yeah. hip hop record. Yeah. <laughs> like, and actually in their interviews, they were saying that was one of the songs that they were going to leave out that feels like it kind of sticks out yeah. compared to the rest of the record. But it just so happens that that was kind of emblematic of the direction that they ended up going in. Yeah, that makes um, sense. Yeah. I mean, Man, the ones for me, like Testimonial Year, the first track, mm-hmm. when they talk about been doing this for more than 10 years, yeah. in this recent moment struck a chord with me because I just, I've been doing comedy for 10 years as of like a month ago. Sure. And listening to the way that they talk about like hip hop and their pursuit of it and the community and, you know, like I got a bed in every state and without it, I roam the city with no purpose, without the underground, I'm a clown, without a circus. Like mm. that kind of sentiment for the thing that they love that they're putting their life into, it resonates so hard now, yeah. comp- especially during a pandemic when money goes completely out the window and you're forced to just look at like, why am I doing this stuff, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, and I think, I mean, that's the same for... I think anyone trying to explore a creative pursuit at the moment, but certainly like yeah. that sentiment is definitely the same for me. Like, I mean, I think in, through playing in bands and stuff like that, like, I mean, I live a completely different life when I go places than other people, because whenever I go anywhere, whether it's for work or whether it's on a holiday or if it's for a band thing, like I'll meet up with someone that I met from playing shows, you know, like totally, which is very different to the life that like, my parents lived, for example, you know, like going on a holiday for them was seeing a new place or seeing family members. Yeah. That's interesting, isn't it? Maybe that speaks to, as you say that, I just thought maybe that speaks to the way that communities in the world as the world modernizes and like we connect with people more over the internet Mm. like versus just in person. Maybe that's how communities start to form, you know, rather than just your neighbor or the person you live next to. Yeah. It's people that you share like passions with. So it doesn't really matter where you are because you're not looking at the people who are near you for connections. Yeah. You're looking at the people that you connected with online through music or hip hop or comedy or whatever it is. Yeah. And I mean, I think that's, that's also like, it's very different now to, you know, when being a kid too. Like, I mean, the, the thing for me now is like, I talk to people almost every other day that aren't in the same country as me. And like, yeah, I, you know, I'm sure that wasn't the case when like my parents were growing up, for example. Yeah, you know, totally. Like, and it, it really expands that. But I think, I think the, um, the takeaway that I, I pull from that as well is like, similarly, like the, the community aspect of it is, you know, the, the, and I, I can really see it in the, you know, from the friends of mine that, do comedy as well like it it builds up this network that you then that just keeps growing and expanding as you keep you know participating in the art form i suppose like yeah. it just continues yeah. to blow out as you go yeah and then it's really nice to look like because you know people come and go yeah but if you're still in the same thing there's the people that have been there the whole time and some people kind of fade away and come back and it's just like this kind of shared, the people that are there the whole time, like I've got people who I started doing stand-up with 10 years ago Yeah. and the connection that you have with those people where you can just talk about, you know, it's almost like you're just watching this thing kind of happen around you. Like, remember that guy? Remember <laughs> that? Remember that fucking idiot who was here for like six months? What the fuck are they doing now? Yeah. <laughs> so 
Did you get into, like, did you start doing comedy in Adelaide or did you come over here and start doing it? Yeah, I started um, at the Rhino Room, which has since been demolished, but that was like a legendary uh, comedy club in, in Adelaide for since like the 90s. Mm-hmm. And I did my first gig August 15, 2011. Yeah, wow. Um, but then I like did a bit of traveling around South America. I was 20, moved back to Adelaide at 21 and just kind of got fired from a few jobs, ruined a relationship. Had 300 bucks, jumped on a bus and, and moved to Melbourne and like stayed in a hostel and shit. And because I just knew comedy was better in Melbourne. So I was like, yeah, I just got to get over there. Yeah. And has that been like, that's been the drive the whole time? Like you, you managed yeah, to yeah, stay yeah. focused on it? Yeah, I have, man, weirdly. Yeah, it's the only thing I've ever been able to commit to, actually, <laughs> probably because it doesn't need to love you back. So I don't worry about whether it does. Okay. It can just keep burning comedy. you. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I'm just like, comedy will never leave me. Yeah. Because <laughs> it doesn't care about me anyway. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, I moved to London for two years and did it over there. And it's the thing. I mean, it's like, I'm sure the way it sounds with you, with your music, it's the thing where wherever I go, I can just look up comedy. And if there's some sort of English community and there's someone doing comedy, I'll show up there and we'll probably know the same people. Yeah. Well, that I mean, you know? and... That's what like that aspect of of you know pursuing something that's yeah in that communal creative sort of sense. It makes shit like that so easy too. Like I mean, I even remember going to I I went to the UK when I was like I guess nineteen or something, and yeah, just like looked up metal shows to go to. Uh-huh. Found a show that was happening near the hotel I was staying at with a band that I liked. I went there, you know, was a drunk super drunk 19 year old at this show <laughs> and was like yeah. buying a shirt off a dude in a band obviously being a punish and he, <laughs> he like commented on the shirt that i was wearing and he was like ah oh, are you from australia and i was like yeah yeah I'm blah blah blah. these are my friends whatever and he was like oh i'm friends with them too and then so you know i ended up just talking to this dude and then now i've known those the guy from that band oh, great. for like yeah. my whole adult life. You know? Yeah, <laughs> like, sick. That's so cool. Yeah. So that's kind of the way you, that's interesting, man. Like that's that's the way that you do it. Like I don't know anything about the metal community. Sure. So that's interesting to hear what the process of meeting someone at a show in that community looks like. Yeah. Like in comedy, it looks like I message them ahead and I go, hey, I'm a comedian. Can I come and do a spot on your show in fucking wherever? Mm. And then you get there. You hang out, you chat, you do the spot, you talk about comedy, and that's the interact. And then maybe if you're connecting, you go out and have a drink or whatever. Yeah. But I was like, how? What would that? Because you can't really go to a metal show and go, "Hey, can I come on and do a quick fucking drum solo?" (laughs) (laughs) Get me up there for a few minutes, guys. Yeah. Yeah. No, but that's um. It's it's definitely been. I mean, obviously, when you start. The big thing for me with making friends and that stuff in music was touring. Like as soon as you start touring, that's when yeah. you you like you start it starts expanding crazily because yeah. You start playing shows and then with people from that town and then you go home and then next time they come they play a show with you, you know? Yeah. It, again and, and, they, I, and they like crash on your couch and stuff. Yeah. And 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 I think yeah. that's that's where it feels very similar to me to comedy is that you start helping one another out you start yeah. you know you know if someone starts a room for example you go and do that and then they come and do yours like it's it, it sort of works in in circles yeah, i guess yeah. 
Um, and it's uh, you know you know what that I actually just thought of now that is a brutal indictment on my fucking ego is that it's like not so much about the going there and the doing the show like it is you know but that's kind of for you like the the performance that's for you as an yeah. artist and a creative. But the main thing for the other people is just to go there and meet some people who care about the same thing as you. It doesn't actually matter if you're, as long as you, you're fine, you know, yeah. as long as you don't suck, yeah. if you're like amazing or you're just pretty good, it's really more about the connection that you make with these people. Yeah. And I think, and the other thing too, is like just being like a normal human, like being nice, yeah. being courteous being polite like when yeah if if you're just like a relatively switched on adult you can figure your way through it like i mean and i'll be the first to admit like i've played in terrible bands and <laughs> but people still put us on shows and it's definitely not because we were a good band it was because we were yeah. nice people and we would show up and we'd help out you know like that's sort yeah. of how that's how it, you good know, for gets, the hang yeah yeah exactly get around in all of that <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like i think so one if finally so my band played groove in the moo like which was a you know essentially like the yeah, regional yeah. big day out that's awesome so we did that we did that one year and the year that we did it um uh hilltop woods were headlining it and oh. we 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 just op well we i think we played like fifth in the like at the show in Canberra, which is where our band's from. And uh-huh. we, it was like the middle of winter, I guess, is when Groove in the Moo happens. So the middle yeah. of winter in Canberra, I think it was like four degrees for the whole day. And so, Damn. We, and it's an outdoor music festival, classic. Why do they have it in winter? <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> no it's idea. Like- isn't the definition I've been thinking about that recently that festivals come from it's like a harvest festival we're yes. celebrating new life and spring why are you gonna have it in the fucking winter mate well it was <laughs> it was crazy it was certainly like the coldest show I've I mean it's the coldest show I've ever played because it was yeah. outside and I think we played at midday so it was fucking it was and then we you know just get so pissed all day because it's this big festival the thing, it was like one of the first times I realized like when you have a triple A pass at a festival like that, you can basically do whatever you want. And if you are, if you're confident enough, like no one will ask you anything. Oh, that's awesome. And so the day for us was like, we're never going to get, we're a stupid metal band. Like we don't play festivals like this. We just got shooed Uh in because of our record label at the time. And like the, (laughs) when, the sort of pinnacles for me were uh, Public Enemy were also playing it, which was like enormous. Oh, um, yes. So Public Enemy played and we were all standing near the, like the way to get up onto the stage. And it was like security everywhere because obviously Flavor, this was like the peak of Flavor Flav being on TV yeah. as well. Man, was this was this like 2010? By any chance? Yeah, to that ten or eleven, something like that. Because I saw them at a Falls Festival. Yeah, and it, that must have been two thousand and nine, ten, something like that. Yeah, probably would have been around the same time. And it was like yeah, sick. But so we, <laughs> Public Enemy are going on to play, and we're all just sort of standing around drinking. We've stolen a bunch of booze from just random tents. Like I think we took a bunch of booze from like 
360s tent and a bunch of booze from like <laughs> some other guy who left yes. the festival early. And yeah, yeah. We're just standing there and we're kind of in the same area as where like public enemies, like family, I guess, are. And they're like crew oh, is. Wow. And we're yeah. standing there, we're just sort of waiting. And then they're like, people start getting ushered up onto the stage. And we're just like, oh, cool. We'll just walk up too. And we start walk- <laughs> we start walking up and they're like, they're like, are you guys with Public Enemy? And one of the dudes from Public Enemy looked back and just nodded. Like, I don't think he realized. That- <laughs> and- it was just like, who are these white guys yeah. from Canberra coming on with Public who Enemy? These- who are these white, like, dudes from a metal band? Anyway, we were just like, <laughs> up we go. And so we-, we walk on up. We get put into, like, this little side stage waiting area. And, like, Chuck D comes around and, like, bumps fists with all of us. Flavor oh, Flav's yes. like high fiving us, and we're just like, I assume they thought we were like some invited guests or like yeah, contest yeah. winners or something. <laughs> they thought you were like corporate sponsors yeah. or something. Yeah, yeah. Oh, these are these are the guy like Sony's <laughs> local reps or something. Yeah. Oh my god. And but then when we we're up there, we we're like, well, we can't leave now because we've got nothing to say that we should be up here, so we got to stay. Yep. And so we just like we found more booze and we just started, watched all of public enemy, which was great. And then the way the stage was like, as soon as public enemy finished, you know, the curtain went down on their side and it opened the other side and Hilltop hoods was on the other side. So we kind of all just like meandered across some of us left, some of us stayed, but it was like, I just remember I'd never seen them live before, obviously. Yeah. And then they started playing and they played the nosebleed section and the response that that got at an outdoor music festival in Canberra. And by this time, it's like nighttime. So it's probably like minus uh-huh. one at this time. Yeah. Was fucking insane. Like to see Public Enemy right before them and me thinking like, oh, this is the big, this is a one of the biggest hip hop groups of all time. Yeah. But then Hilltop Hoods play right after. It was bonkers. Like people went wow, crazy for man. it. man. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that's the difference between like a huge act internationally with a big rep versus an act that everyone has like a memory of that song. Yeah. Like there's like a real emotional connection to, you know, people fucking hear that and they're like, Oh my God, when I was 13, like whatever. Yeah. You know, that's like a huge thing. Yeah. Man, I got, I got to tell you my public enemy story. That's not even my story. (laughs) And I've just got to fucking give a shout out to my mate, Phil, um, because he'll, I'll get him to listen to this and he'll fucking love this. So we saw them (laughs) at, um, at Falls Festival with a bunch of mates. We all drove over like two cars full of kids mm. from Adelaide to um, to Lawn. And I think they didn't play the New Year's set, but they played like a set on on New Year's Eve, I reckon. And Flavor Flav's there with his clock. And yeah. there's this, uh, this chick who we know, Michaela, who is just like, she's such a hustler, man. And we were, they would have been 18. We were like 19. So yeah. she's like this cute... 18 year old girl she's an actress you know she's good with like she's uh she's a good liar Mm -hmm. and um anyway she stole his pass he leant over into the crowd and was doing it and she stole the lanyard off his neck right (laughs) and and no one saw and we didn't see we didn't know that she had done it yeah and then they said he was like stop stop the concert everyone someone took my lanyard i'm not i'm not playing again until it like comes back and we're all like, oh, no, like, fuck, like, we didn't know. And she's like, oh, my God, that's crazy, like, looking as well. <laughs> no one finds it. 
And uh, so we all, you know, they start the show again, but he doesn't have his thing now. Yep. And the show goes, it was amazing, whatever. And then afterwards, I fucking wish I was there. I went to go get a drink. But um, my mate Phil, this girl Michaela, and a couple other of our friends went backstage because Michaela went up to the security and was like, hey, I found Flavor Flav's pass. Yeah. Went into the backstage and uh, there was a reporter there who was just like, you know, she gave it to him and the reporter's like, oh, let's get a picture of the girl who found your pass. Like, what a great moment. And Flavor Flav was like, motherfucker, this is the chick that stole my pass. <laughs> But my mate has it um, signed on his fridge. Oh, that's sick. That is, yes. Yeah, and that was like fucking 12 years ago. Dude, he was one of the, it was like seeing him in the wild. I think, it, I mean, I think I'd probably seen or interacted with some relatively somewhat famous people at that point in my life. But certainly then was like, this is the guy from Public Enemy, obviously, but also at the time, as I mentioned, like, famously on TV all the time yeah. on a reality yeah, TV yeah. show. So like Yeah, totally. And I like I may be wrong, but I there may actually have been like a film crew there filming him as part of like whatever his contract is. And yeah. he was just uh, like a true wild man. Like it was it, I guess because they were headlining they got dropped off their first thing in the morning and maybe he didn't have anything better to do in Canberra on on a uh -huh. you know on a cold winter's day, but he was just hanging around that backstage you know like area for the entire yeah. day with you know massive clock around his neck in casual clothes <laughs> like not not dressed for the stage just yeah. but still still clock but still on, with the clock still you got to wear the clock and he was just <laughs> trotting around taking photos with people 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 were smoking weed with him like. Any like I remember he went into eat, into like the catering thing and was eating and some dude just uh -huh. walked past and was like, I fucking love you, man. And he was like, sit down. Like and just <laughs> like he just had lunch with oh, this dude. Yeah. And like it was he it, for someone who has such a funny large reputation, he spent the whole day just mucking around, like just cooling out. Yeah, it was it was great. But it was like God, one of those so cool, man. It was my, that was like my, obviously by that time too, as an, you know, an adult at that point, I'd already, I'd gone to a bunch of hip hop things and seen a bunch of that stuff. But like, fuck the, the experience of that tied in with that, you know, seeing this monstrous response to Hilltop Hoods at that time really, yeah. really changed in my head for me, like a lot of how, um, that stuff's received as well. Like seeing it from the other side. Uh -huh. as a musician was pretty wild too and like i mean i think the other thing that for me with with these guys as well is like i could in listening to this the other day like so much of this record has like really good hooks on it and stuff too like is yeah man which is i guess how it got as you know successful as it is you know man the what i can take from that story that you just told and the interview that i was talking about before is on both of their, like the hoods and Flavor Flav. And I guess what it just, part of what it takes to be successful as a creative, the humility. Like imagine yeah. being Flavor Flav, who's this guy who is a worldwide superstar mm. coming to this festival and playing. And there's always a part of you that's like, I'm going to fucking let him know. I'm going to tear this place apart. Yeah, yeah. And then having the local in his eyes, you know, the Hilltop Hoods, like the local act, come on and fucking really like give yeah. it but still be able to just be there and give it up and, you know, like, 
yeah. and to hang out, like the humility of that. And then on the other hand, the Hilltop Hoods being interviewed by some guy in a country that they'd never been to and having this guy not know who the fuck they are and still just like sitting there and gracefully kind of accepting that. Yeah. It's like, I don't know. It's very cool on both parts to just yeah. be like, yeah, I guess that's what it takes, right? You just more than having great music and whatever, you just got to be a fucking good dude about it. Yeah, yeah. And you got to like, you got to make sure that, I mean, I think there's like the other thing too is when you're putting yourself into the public space, I suppose, and you're doing something creative, which, you know, for a lot of what you're doing, that's for yourself. Like it's, it's a thing that you're doing for yourself for whatever reason. But if you're in, if you're a part of something that has a performative nature, you are asking for people to ask you things. You're asking for people to provide an opinion on you. Uh And Uh what's always been very interesting to me is when people respond to that negatively, like people are too cool or they're like yeah. <laughs> a massive dickhead or whatever. But it's like you you're putting yourself out there. You're allowed. Yeah, man. If you're they're, yeah, if they're not responding right, that's really on you. Like what yeah. did you put out there to make them respond like that? Yeah. Which is funny because I think I've spent a lot of my life <laughs> not realizing that yeah. as well. And being like, why aren't people fucking reacting the way that they did in my head when I fucking said this shit? It's like, yeah. cause you said the wrong thing. Yeah. Well, and, th- and th- <laughs> I think that was like a, turning point in for me playing music was like when i was like oh wait if if i'm like a dickhead about what i'm doing and i'm not at all thinking about what people's response to what i'm creating is why Mm. am i allowed to get mad about it going bad live (laughs) like if i make stuff that i know people aren't going to like or that i know only i care about then yeah it's not going to give you the feedback that you need from it and that that was where yeah for me with like with music i realized like in playing metal and things like that like this is silly like i appreciate like i like it seriously i take it seriously but i also uh-huh. recognize that yelling like this is silly and i recognize <laughs> that like that some people are going to think it's funny so that's that's cool man i never thought about it like that but it is isn't it metal yeah. is like I was just listening to a really old episode of Mark Maron's podcast when he's talking to a, a guitarist from like 2010 mm-hmm. and they're talking about metal and this guy, oh, what was it? It was some TV show that the guy did. Um, um, Armageddon. Metalocalypse. Metalocalypse? Oh, yeah. yeah, yep. Yeah. It was the creator of that. Okay. And he was saying some people think that he's taking the piss out of metal because he doesn't like it, but he yeah. loves metal. And those people who think that he's making fun of metal, they just don't get it because they don't get metal. Yeah. I was listening to that just now and I was like, yeah, metal is like, if I watched that, I would think he's making fun of metal because that's metal's not really my vibe. And I'd be like, yeah, this is silly. Look, they're wearing masks. Yeah. Everyone's got long hair. Yeah. Well, and, and I think for, and you know, I'm sure like there are, I, well, I know for a fact there's serious metal people that don't like you doing that. But at the same time, yeah. like for, for like the stuff that we were doing, the reality for us was like, we're going to get, we're going to have way more fun with this if we can show that we're having fun. And the way that we show we're having fun is like doing anything else, like teasing each other, fucking around, like (laughs) making fun of ourselves, making fun of the venue, the audience, whatever, you know, like just and involving people within it too, you know? And I think- Yeah, that's great. Like that stuff comes from seeing different stuff as well. Like that, you learn that stuff from seeing things like, you know, like I, I think a lot of that for me 
came from, um, you know, seeing like how so many hip hop videos in like the 2000s were all like, you know, trying to be funny and and like comedy yeah. styled stuff was yeah in- yeah that, and like all the it. albums have like skits on them yeah yeah exactly and like yeah. realizing like oh there's a reason why crowds or people respond to things like this and i think that like yeah for me like i'm you know there's a lot of comedy stuff that i'm into and i think that's how i made f- how i made fast friends with a lot of people like you know you and i know a lot of the same people and i think yeah. that that's how yeah, i yeah how I met like a lot of those guys was from just like, Oh, this is all like, this is what I'd like to do too. It's the same sensibility. Yeah. yeah. There's quite a, I feel like, I mean, maybe this is wrong, but it feels to me like that's quite a punk rock sensibility as opposed to just straight metal. Cause punk rock has a lot of that, like being really silly, dressing like a fuckhead, making fun of people. Yeah. I think, and I certainly learned that from my time playing in like punk and hardcore bands. That was where that came from. But I just, the band of mine that did the best was ostensibly a metal band. So we just applied yeah, right. that learning to that music, you know? Yeah, sure. Um, so what, what from this record, what's your like, what's your, your favorite like key part of this record? Ooh, maybe, um, a testimonial year, first track talking yep. about, it's really like a mission statement. It feels like yeah, we've yeah. been doing this for 10 years. I guess as a, it was a big moment for me as a stand-up to realize that like I have to trust the thing that I do, and I have to know this is good. If I'm going to get people to come to my shows and to you know market my shows and whatever, there has to be a belief that like I can do this. It's not a maybe. I know that I can do this, and that's what that kind of feels like for them. They're like, we're here. We know this is good. This mm. is what we do. And it's now up to you to decide whether you're going to like it or not. Yeah, um, And the calling as well is like, I only listened, I only really on the listen recently kind of, you know, it's called The Calling. Yeah. The album is called The Calling. This is our calling. This is what mm. we do. I never really clicked to that wording before. Um, so yeah, a lot of the, a lot of the, and like The Sentinel, which is kind of like a hip hop version of Hotel California, which is so cool. Yeah. Um, I got to tell you this though, man, because this is hilarious to me. So there's um there's a track called the uh, the certificate. I think it's, it's one of the. It's my favorite one on it. Yeah, really. Yeah. Because it's the all in, like it's just all the the hometown guys, right? Yeah. Okay, so and I I can't say the word because we don't say this word anymore. But one of the verse and there's like fifteen rappers on yes. this track, right? And one of them, number 11 or 12 or something, really <laughs> deep into it. Yeah. Um, his name is Collapse, spelled K-O-L-A-P-S. Yep. And his verse is, you F-word MCs always compare one another. Studio 2000s where you shot your album cover. And <laughs> people who aren't from Adelaide don't know. Studio 2000 was like an ad I found out recently only on Adelaide TV. <coughs> For like a for like a photo studio that was like, if you want to look your best, like oh come God. to Studio Two Thousand. <laughs> That's so <laughs> like, deep. It's so deep, man. And the last word, and this is like really dates the album. The last line on his verse is "Go fuck yourself, hermaphrodite MC." Oh my God! <laughs> Which who even <laughs> says that as a word anymore? Like just- <laughs> he's. That 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 portion swiftly cancelled. That portion, yeah, of the, man. On this record, and I, I did a deep dive on the guy, 
And because uh, I was just like, who is this fucking guy, man? Like I heard it again and just pierced myself yeah. laughing at the at the like awful stuff that he's saying and also at the Studio 2000 reference. Um, the only other thing that exists of him online is a collaboration or like a compilation album from 2000 called Culture of Kings. Mm-hmm. He has one song on there and there's a scan of his bit in the liner notes. Yeah. So it's just like a few sentences that he's, you know, collapses like this and that he came from birmingham he moved to adelaide in 91 and and then it says he's got an album coming out in 2001 look out for it the album does not exist i don't think it ever happened (laughs) so he's got two (laughs) things two things out in the world and in the liner notes one of the times his name is in there it's spelled wrong (laughs) it's (laughs) it's spelled colpass Maybe that, maybe that was the nail in the coffin. He was like, well, I can't come back from this. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. This is as far as I'm going to go, guys. This is yeah. it for me. And it, but if what it's, it's kind of, I think it's kind of beautiful in a way. I liken it to, um, it's like the, you know, in The Shining, when there's the picture of all the people in the fucking yep. hotel when, and they're all dead. Yep. They're all just ghosts. He's like one of those people. He's like this guy. <laughs> For a second, you know, he was trying to be a rapper and he was on an album with the Hilltop Hoods yeah. and then he just disappeared. But for a second, and that eight-line verse is like his legacy, you know, in one small way to the fucking, to the history of hip-hop. Yeah. He, and it's it's fucked, but I think it's kind of nice. He he dropped a, you know, expletive-riddled, yeah. you know, not, <laughs> not, um, not modern sensibilities, but... He was there. He contributed. You and, know? and by the way, the only reason I don't say the other th- uh, five lines out of those eight lines is because they do not make sense. They are <laughs> <laughs> complete gibberish. It's just nonsensical. <laughs> it's, it's insanity. Well, big shout out to Collapse for yeah, his, man. his participation. But that, no, that song to me was like, it feel if that's if like when I was thinking, when I was listening through it again today, I had a little listen before we started and I was like, this is a good song. Like I really like this yeah. song. It's yeah. It's got it fits like all the things about hip hop I like in it. And I, like I I loved. Well, I I did when I was a kid heaps, and I love it still now. Like the conversational like back and forthing, and like even the song um, "Dumb Enough" on this has that too. Like oh yeah, where it's just like you know you're chatting through each line and like yeah, that. Yeah, man. It's that stuff's so good. The suffer and pressure, like they're, you know, I mean, you can tell they've been friends since high school, hey? Because yeah. their chemistry is just so good. Like, you know, what is it, suffer? It's a swan, all of that mm, shit. Yeah. It got weird. You don't want to see me anymore. <laughs> oh, my God, man. It's so catchy. You're yeah. right. They know how to write a hook, don't they? Yeah. Well, those are the no- that, those are like the two biggest notes that I made is like, I did not realize the amount of like earworm type lyrics and 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 hooks that that go through this but it's fucking it's it's really something that like early early kanye was so good at that as well getting getting lines that when you're in a club and the song comes on there's that line that everyone knows you know and this album's full of those man i always liked the one um it's a fine line between a smile and a frown it's called an eyebrow yeah (laughs) love that yeah well like i think things like Things like that too are where where I get like stuck in, like you said, like the the artist might continue on and in, in a path that you don't care for, but 
getting hooked into the thing that you love is, you know, really, really vital. And like, I mean, Kanye is a great example of that now in that like, he had some of like the catchiest songs and records out. Yeah. And then now yeah. the cunts fucking, you know, rent, renting <laughs> out a stadium and putting renting a church stadiums. in the middle of it. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Which is way past me at this point, but... Yeah, 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 yeah. I just like that it is happening. Mm. I don't know if I like the thing itself, but I'm glad that it's happening, you yeah. know? Someone's got to do it. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, you... the I could, Obviously, um, you've, be, you've been doing the podcast, Sitting Under a Tree. You've been talking about records on it lately. What's, like, the vibe with that? Obviously, it's just you talking. Yeah. Man, it's a pod that I've been doing for four years, coming yep. up to four years. It's really just a diary at the best of times. Like, you know, I just kind of talk about whatever's been going on that week and try and make myself laugh. It's a good way to kind of work ideas to go into my stand-up or just tell stories. Um, but it's also a really cool way to check in with myself every week, you know? Like, I have to do it every week and talking for half an hour every week, you're going to eventually get to how you're really feeling about your life and shit. Yeah. And lately I've noticed that I've been spiraling into just talking about the pandemic and I was like, okay, how do I get off that? Mm. So rather than talk about my life, I'm like, well, I'll talk about something that I love that I can reminisce about that'll yeah. make me happy and revisit those things and, and do a bit more. So like I did this album and then I did uh, Illmatic by Nas mm -hmm. And went back and found some of the old like uh, hip hop um, like movies from the eighties, from like when hip hop was first starting yeah, yeah. In, in New York. Watched some of those for a bit of context, and that kind of got me to view that album in a different way. And then this week, I did uh, the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones, who yeah, right. I have the deepest love for, and like ska as a genre. Mm -hmm. um, and I talked about. Years ago, when I was like 22, I always loved ska, but ska is such an unpopular, like it's really not a cool genre of yeah, music. It's it's um, frequently teased. And, and a kid, a dude that I quite looked up to when I used to work at the workers club in Fitzroy, I told him I liked ska and he said to me, uh, ska, that's just white boys playing fast reggae. <laughs> and it broke my heart, man. <laughs> And so I just kind of talked about that this week and, and about Scar. So, yeah, I might do a movie next week or something. I don't know. I'm just kind of picking them as I go along, trying to keep it fresh. Yeah. And so has that been a way for you as well to kind of keep the engagement with the comedy side of things while you're unable to do shows and stuff? Yeah, totally. That's that. And then the other thing that I'm doing is uh, I have... I live in Brunswick mm -hmm. and I've been setting once a week, setting my desk up at the end of my driveway yep. with a sign that says comedian giving out jokes for free. Okay. And I put a, I put a sign out on Ligon street and I put it on like the groups and stuff and yep. people come by, I tell them jokes, we chat, I give them a business card. Um, that's what I've been doing. <laughs> Man. And yeah. and are you getting good response to that? Like is like actually really good, man. That's awesome. I've, um, yeah, I've had heaps of people come by. I had a mate come past last weekend and film it, and that's hopefully going to be out this week. Yes. Um, just like a little fire. Like they're a professional videographer. They do my promo videos when I do festivals and stuff. Yeah. And I was just like, yeah, man, come around, you know, film it and uh, get like a little five-minute thing together so people can see <laughs> what the fuck I'm doing. Yeah. Well, I guess It's the been really thing great, man. Well, the other thing too is like it's you got to try and do something – throughout periods like this. I mean, that that's the thing that 
it was actually the reason I started doing this again. I mean, I, I started doing this podcast like five years ago and then stopped doing it for like a bit over a year, maybe a year and a half. Yeah. And I started doing it in the, the first lockdown last year because I was just like, I can't fucking stand not talking to people. Like that's... Totally. You know, I that's why I play shows is to meet people and chat and yep. hang out or whatever. And it, And then similarly though, I didn't just want to get on and be like, you know, this sucks, right? For an hour. Uh-huh, like, uh-huh. and I was like, well, yeah. a good way to avoid doing that will be picking records and then we can just talk about how good records are, you know? That's cool, man. Yeah, this is a really cool thing. I I dig it a lot, man. Yeah. Well, I uh, have you, um, are you just mostly having like metal people on? Well, it kind of depends. I mean, yes, in that most of the people I know come from that. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. But, you know, I've had a pretty pretty broad cross-section. And like yourself, like when people link you up with people that are yeah. keen to do it, like the, the the other thing too that's always been very interesting for me with like doing this is like I have, I'll talk to anyone. I don't give a shit. Like, and totally. I'll, talk, I'll talk about anything and I'm happy if I don't like it, I'm happy to talk about not liking it. But yeah. I, I said to... John, who's our mutual friend who put us in yeah, touch yeah. about this. I said to John, yeah. I was like, I'm glad you picked a hip hop record because like, I, I, I don't, you know, I don't need to talk about metal every day. I could, but I don't need yeah, to. Totally. You know? <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, man. It's so cool. It's really cool to talk. I mean, I love hearing these stories about you playing gigs and stuff because that's just not a world that I exist mm. in at all, you know? Um, yeah. But it's so fucking, I mean, dude, at the end of the day, I've been thinking about this quote recently um, that I think really sums up how I feel about creating stuff. It's some Instagram guy. I don't know. He just said, um, uh, art is when you try and make a thing and then you make a better one and you keep doing this until you die. And that's a pretty good life. (laughs) That's good. That's a good description of it. It's it's just like whether you're trying to make the best song Mm. or I'm trying to, you know, connect with an audience or whatever the fuck it is. We're all just out here trying to make a better thing than the last thing that we made. Yeah. Well, and, the, and I think the as you go to, you start learning where your pitfalls are. You start learning where your your tropes are and things like that. And you just, and I think for me, it's all about growing as well. Like it's just about moving past the old things to get to something that's, you know, satisfying for you and obviously gets the response you want out of it as well. Yeah, totally, man. Um, all right. Well, that's a pretty good place to to wrap things up. But uh, thank you very much for doing this. What? Where can people find your stuff on the internet? Um, Instagram, Aiden Jones Comedy. It's uh, Alpha Indigo Delta Alpha N. <laughs> there you go. Alpha Aidan. <laughs> um, People spell it A-Dan and it shouldn't annoy me as much as it does, but I fucking hate it so much. It's all right, man. Um, Aiden Jones. People always spell my name wrong as well, so. Yeah, yeah. It's it's annoying, right? Yeah. It's like it's in the email right there. (laughs) You can read it and you're spelling it wrong. Do it right. Infuriating. But yeah, Aiden Jones Comedy. um, AidenJonesComedy.com is my website. There's nothing on there tour dates-wise at the moment. Instagram is probably the best spot. Yeah, cool. And I'll be posting that video about me fucking telling jokes on the street Can't sometime wait. next week, hopefully. Excited to see excited to see it in the flesh. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, thanks Bye, for man. doing it, mate. Thanks so much for having me on, bro. This has been sick.